Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a crowd podcast. This is the greatest footballer in the world, fighting like a street kid. This is one of the great football grounds, looking like a battlefield. This is the beautiful game turned into a war. It's 1984. Barcelona are playing Atletico Bilbao in the final of the Spanish Cup. There's a hundred thousand in the stadium, including the King of Spain. There's half the nation watching on the TV, literally. And there's one man in the middle of all that madness no one can take their eyes off. Diego Maradona's not big, five foot five, Big bush of black hair, strong legs on him. Proper solid, but he's pretty much the smallest man on the pitch. Doesn't matter. He's in the maroon and blue stripes of Barca. He's got a yellow number 10 on his back. The chosen one. And he's just need a man in the face and knocked him out cold. Actually, it's more like a scissor kick. Like he's lining up a spectacular volley, mid-air, but with this bloke's chin where the ball should be. It's never been easy for Maradona at Barcelona. The most expensive player in the history of football, and he's had hepatitis, injuries. Last season, he had a broken ankle, or rather it was broken for him when an opposition defender went through him like a baseball bat. A defender who's on the pitch again today. Now he's snapped kicked and shoved around all game, racially abused by the opposition and their fans. And he can't take any more. So he headbutts one player, elbows another in the face, scissor kicks the other one. Then it's all going off. Players karate kicking each other in the chest, swinging punches, wrestling on the ground. Maradona's everywhere. That speed comes in useful when you're being chased by six raging men trying to kill you. He's kicking, screaming, scratching, falling, getting up, falling again. And this is the low for a player who can do it all. Spectators throwing coins and rocks from the stands. Coaches getting hit. Photographers. 60 people injured. The nation outraged. The king turning away in disgust. There's no future in Barca for Maradona, not now. 
But right here, in the middle of this mayhem, the blood, the chaos, is the start of his ascent. This is Maradona. He falls, he gets up. He's going to move to Italy, to Naples, down in the south. A team that never wins, a city that never gets anything. For a few years, he will be untouchable, the man they call the golden boy in his golden years. That's what we're going to talk about today. That little handful of years when this kid from nowhere became a sort of God. When you think about how Maradona lived and died, when you think about how he's remembered, why there's so much love and hate, it all comes down to this. How he came back, the miracles he pulled off, the price he paid, the way he changed the city, the way he changed the world, how the city changed him, held him tight, loved him, and then betrayed him, part of it. Because he'll fall again, Maradona. That's his life. He gets higher than anyone else, and he falls faster. That's Diego. Here's what you need to know about Naples. The south of Italy is not the north. No power, no influence. Rome is history. Turin is cars. Milan is fashion. Naples is poverty, it's unemployment, it's danger. There's stuff you see in Naples, the narrow streets, the churches, the kids in from the countryside looking for work. The port where the big ships dock, things come in that are good for the city and things come in that aren't. There's the stuff just below the surface. Naples is built on a fault line, tectonic plates, grinding and shifting. It's under a volcano. Vesuvius has blown before and can blow again anytime. Danger and death everywhere you look, because Naples is also the home of the Camorra. There's the Mafia in Sicily and there's the Camorra in Naples. Drugs and brothels and money laundering and bribery and rackets you don't even know about. Everywhere you look in Naples, there's the Camorra, except you don't look if you're smart. You don't look if you want to stay safe. Okay, here's what you need to know about Napoli, the football team that sits in the middle of all this. Napoli don't win stuff. One trophy in all the time they've been around, a nothing sort of history for a city that has little else. No team from the South has ever won the Italian league. It's all those big boys in the big cities, Milan, Roma, Juventus, Inter Milan. When they play each other at football, that's when the sport, and the politics and the hate all come out. Here's what the Juve fans sing when Napoli go to Turin. Wash them, Vesuvius. Wash them with fire. Here's what the Milan fans sing. Oh, what a smell. Even the dogs are running away. Here come the Neapolitans, cholera-ridden, who don't know what soap is, the shame of all Italy. 
So that's the city, that's the club. And here's what you need to know about Maradona when they sign him for another record fee. Maradona grows up in a shantytown, the edge of Buenos Aires, not the bit the tourists go to. His dad, Guarani, descended from the indigenous tribes of long ago. His mom has six kids and moves from the countryside to feed them all. The outsider kid in the outsider's town. So it makes sense right from the start. Maradona's Catholic, but not rich Catholic, like the Italians in Rome, like the Vatican. He's rebel Catholic, like the Neapolitans. Superstition and myth, angels and devils. There'll be a time when he's mates with Fidel Castro. He'll have Castro tattooed on his left leg, Che Guevara on his right arm. He'll meet the Pope, see the gold ceilings and altars in the Vatican, and argue with him. The Pope says, we're worried about poor kids. Maradona says, sell your ceiling then, amigo. So this is the scene where Maradona arrives in Naples on a hot summer's day in July 1984. 75,000 fans in the stadium, just to see him walk onto the pitch and wave. So many cameras and reporters, it's hard to even get out of the tunnel and up the steps to the pitch. There's a line in a newspaper that day. We don't have houses, schools, buses, jobs or sanitation. None of this matters because we have Maradona. But this is Naples. It's all about the stuff you can't see, as well as the stuff you can. How's this team, massively in debt, nowhere in the league, signed the most expensive player in the world? Where's the money come from? The power? It's the first question at his press conference. Diego, what do you know of the Camorra? What of their influence on football? The club's owner is furious, kicks the journalist out. And because it works, this holy deal between a poor kid and a poverty-struck town, some of those questions go away. Napoli beat Juventus 1-0. It's Maradona's goal, a sweet free kick. And it's so mad in that stadium, five people faint at the final whistle and two have heart attacks. His first season, they finish eighth in the league. He scores 14 goals. The next, they're up to the third. Only Juve and Roma ahead of them, Torino behind. Maradona scores 11 more, a crazy ball of energy in that pale blue shirt. The conductor of the orchestra, but a great soloist too. The city dances to his rhythm. Napoli are growing, but there's something else going on. Sopasso. That's what they call it in Italy, overtaking. The mafia in Sicily's big. The Camorra are getting bigger, greedier, nastier. And Maradona is lonely. He's spending $15,000 a month calling home to his mum and dad, his sisters. When he goes out in Naples, Clubs like the Stangata, the Bella di Notte, he drinks alone, whiskey and coke, champagne. Sometimes there's girls, private moments, other things. 
But there is no privacy in Naples. There's no word for it in Italian. The poor parts of the town are all alleys and narrow passages and flats looking into other flats. Everyone sees everything here. That's what they say. They call it the Seconda Societa, the second society, the underground. People know what Diego is doing. People say, you want these secrets kept secret? Then you help us too. Maradona has a business selling Maradona merchandise. So do the Camorra. So one of the clan, the Giulianos, pays him a little visit. You want to make money off Naples? Then you come through us. He does, and he starts getting invites to Giuliano parties, to nights out and weddings. There's a police raid on a Camorra house looking for heroin that's been smuggled in through the docks. They find 70 photos of Maradona having fun with Carmine Giuliano, the gang's boss, with his sister, with his boys, drinking with them at their houses, in their bars, wearing a Rolex they've given him, raising a glass of their success to his. That summer 1986, it's the World Cup Finals. So here's what you need to know about Argentina when Diego flies home to captain them. Argentina obsesses over football, over beating Brazil, over beating the world. When they host the World Cup in 1978, they win it. There's been a military coup. The army are in charge. There's talk of referees bought and sold, opposition teams dealt with. The fix is in, that's what some say. Then there's 1982. Diego's a kid, best in the world. And he's kicked out of every match. One defender fouls him 11 times in the first half. In the second half, he fouls him 13 times more. Doesn't even get booked. Argentina go out early. So when it comes to 86, there's revenge in the air. For the way they treated Diego then, and for what's happened since. The army started a war, invaded the Falkland Islands, the Malvinas, and then lost the war as Britain sent ships and troops and planes all the way down to the South Atlantic. There's something inevitable about Argentina meeting England at the World Cup in 86. In the summer heat of Mexico, Maradona the talisman, the miracle man. By the time the quarterfinals come round, he's already dominating the tournament. Three times as many dribbles as any other player, fouled more often, scoring more goals, making them too. It's a team game, of course it is, but Argentina without Maradona is the summer without the sun. With him, they can win it. You know what he does against England, the handball, the street kid with the street cunning. The second goal, the one that still looks like the greatest individual goal you'll ever see. Five Englishmen beaten, one nation on its knees, the other in the heavens. Here's what the commentator shouts back home. Diego Maradona, I have to scream, forgive me. What planet did you come from? To leave in your wake so many Englishmen that the country becomes a clenched fist, screaming for Argentina. Here's what Diego says afterwards. We knew they had killed a lot of Argentine boys. Killed them like little birds. And this was revenge. Maradona scores five goals in that tournament. Blue and white striped shirt, black shorts, black number 10 on his back. 
he sets up five more, including the winner in the final. He's 25 years old. No one's ever dominated a World Cup like he does. Not Pele, not Zidane, definitely not Ronaldo or Messi. And he's only half done. It shouldn't make sense. Napoli winning the Italian league. That's history and politics and economics all turned upside down. But when you see Maradona, the season he comes back from the World Cup, there's no way it could be anything else. There's what he does, the goals, the assists, free kicks. There's the way he does it. Jumping out of tackles, spinning and turning, accelerating into gaps no one else can see. He's a ball in a pinball machine, except he's in control. He's a boxer no one can lay a glove on. He struts and he preens and he grins and he takes the whole city with him. He always knows what to say to Naples, Diego. When they win, he says, this is my greatest triumph. He walks out on that pitch again at the Stadio San Paolo and says, I won this one at my home. The city, the street parties last five days. Hundreds of thousands of people feeling like they belong, feeling reborn. A banner goes up in one of the city graveyards. You don't know what you've missed. That's what it says. Two days later, another one goes up. How do you know we missed it? <laughs> That's all on the surface, but you know Naples now. It's what goes on underneath the second society. Maradona's not training like he used to. He's going out at night. The places where the Camorra take him. He loves the city. The way they clutch him to their chests. But someone holds you that tight and you're no longer free. This is a great city, he says. But I can hardly breathe. They know the people who watch him, follow him. They get him what he wants. The girls, the cocaine, the stuff that comes through the docks. And soon, this is how his weeks are flying by. Game on the Sunday, out Sunday night. Staying out till Wednesday morning, drinking, partying, on it. Wednesday to Saturday, sweat it all out, run, drink water, sleep. Get ready for the whole thing to happen again. Everyone knows everything. There are no secrets in Naples. So when he's on the phone to a Comora club, and a Camorra woman who's getting him two hookers and a lot of coke, there's others listening in. The cops, the lawyers, the people chasing the drugs that come through the docks from South America, that get refined and cut in the narrow streets and alleys, get sent on to the rich kids in the north, in France, in England. The crowd pleaser who can't say no. The street kid with too much money and no one to get in the way. There's the times he misses games, crashes his car. There's the time his young daughter calls out in the night, asks him for a glass of water and he can't get up. He's taken so much cocaine that his hands are shaking like leaves in a storm. Those powerful legs, the strength, the speed. There's nothing there. Not now. All these miracles 
and now the other side, angels and devils, what you can see and what you can't. It's spring 1988, Napoli have only lost two league games all season. They look nailed on for another title. They lose four of their last five games. They draw the other. Milan, the big boys, the money and the swagger. They beat Napoli at home in Naples. Hey, these things happen in football. Confidence falls, injuries happen. But there's something else too. The Camorra make big money from illegal gambling. Everyone in the city has put cash on Napoli winning the league again. If it comes off, that's billions of lira. Millions of pounds they're paying out. Enough to bankrupt them. That's what some say. So when Napoli fold, when they collapse, people talk. They talk about the main man and where he's gone. Maradona's at a Giuliano wedding. He's in Camorra clubs. He's training only when he wants. He's crying on the pitch. They win another title in 1990, but something else happens that year to bring him closer still to the edge. The World Cup's in Italy. Argentina the holders, Italy the favourites. You think it was fate that England played Argentina in the quarterfinals last time out? This time, Italy meet Argentina in the semi-finals in Naples. Maradona knows what to say, right? So this is him the night before the match. Naples is not Italy. Knowing how Naples feels, what Italy thinks. This is him the next evening, the best player on the pitch. The reason Argentina come back from a goal down. The man who scores the critical penalty in the shootout that follows extra time. And that's when everything changes for Maradona. The end of the holy times, the beginning of the slide. Here's what the people in the city say. When Maradona wins for Naples, he's protected. When he loses, that goes. Those friends, now they're turning away, melting into the streets and alleys, moving on to the next target, the new heroes. Maradona is alone, banned from football after he fails a dope test, charged with smuggling cocaine into the docks. When he gets on the plane to leave, he pretends he's only leaving to go to his daughter's birthday party. But everyone knows, they always do. I shall miss the Italian match days, that's what he says. They were the greatest fun I have ever had. But I'm tired of struggling. I want to control my life. He never does, Diego. On the pitch, no one can get near him. He's the boss, the conductor, the soloist. Off it, he belongs to everyone else, to their rhythm, to their demands. And when he dies, aged just 60, their surprise and grief, but also understanding about how he lived, about those deals he made, and the images we see in the aftermath, the frozen moments of genius, they're all from this time, the golden days of the golden boy. When you think about Maradona's death, about how he's remembered, why there's so much love and hate, it all comes down to this. 
how he came back, the miracles he pulled off, the price he paid. This episode of Death of a Sports Star was written by Tom Fordyce and performed by me, Elroy Spoonface Powell, Spoon the Voice Guy. It was edited by Phil Brown. For research, we used the archives of the BBC, ESPN, The Guardian, The Times and The Telegraph. We watched Asif Kapadia's documentary and a lot of old games on YouTube and read Maradona's autobiography as well as Maradona, Hand of God by Jimmy Burns. The music we used is from our partners, BMG Production Music. If you enjoyed this episode of Death of a Sports Star, there's a new episode out every Monday. If you want a tip for your next one, try Marco Pantani, another superstar, snared by the Camorra, another sporting genius who fell too fast. And if you love your football, try the Robert Enko one. It might break your heart, but you'll never forget it. Crowd Network, a place where you belong. I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals you never thought possible. 
Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. 